0: Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Porter Smith, and our topic is money, right? Do I have a toxic relationship with money? I love that word toxic, Porter. Yeah. Right? And we're going to go into what do we mean by toxic relationship. So, Porter, welcome to the show. Briefly, tell us about you. What do you do? What industry are you in? Okay. Well,
1: first, thanks for having me. It's good to be here with you.
0: I'm a generous guy.
1: You know, I invited you. Good looking guy.
0: Yeah. Oh, Uh, thanks, bro. Yeah. I'm generous too. Ladies, ladies. Yeah, okay.
1: Um, But I'm 36, 37 year old. Uh, married man, father of two. Nice. Got two uh, young boys, eight and six years old. Uh, grew up in Alabama in the Bible Belt, Southern Baptist uh, family. Through oh, and through. Yes. Um, married a Tampa girl that grew up in a Catholic and Baptist uh, confused family. Wow, you cross lines,
0: them. bro. You cross borders.
1: Yeah, she uh, went through all of the... Um, the normal Catholic rituals growing up uh, through her confirmation and everything like that and then at age uh, 14 15 mm-hmm. uh, her family decided well her mother decided hey i'm I'm done with the Catholic Church it was an, uh, at a point in time where there was some scandal uh, in the Catholic Church it was becoming very public and uh, yeah, they, she went back to issues. her roots yeah she went back to her roots and uh, and took the children mm-hmm. with her and, Got it. Um, so then, she was my wife was baptized into uh, a Baptist church yeah, at yeah. age sixteen. Yeah. Um, I would say Christ is the center of our home. Uh, we have some very clear uh, priorities that that we sort of live our life mm-hmm. by. Uh, but it's taken some time to figure out those priorities and put them into practice. Hey, bro, and it's a lifetime, uh, right? Yes. So, what industry do you work in? I'm a commercial banker. Um, started my first banking job one week after college. Got it. And uh, so, I've been in it for 15 years now. Mm. Uh, I'm you love market. it? I really do. Uh, That's cool. I think I love it because of the company that I work with mm. currently uh i mean banking is a is a fun exciting uh environment if you're doing if you're able to interact with lots of people and uh and be involved in projects and things that you uh that are that you're passionate about i have Definitely. a very entrepreneurial uh kind of spirit so i like being in a community bank because mm, um,
0: it's more local right you're local yeah, you're dealing
1: yeah. uh you can feel the impact that you have in your organization mm. i started my career in a a uh, big regional bank where there was uh, 20,000 employees. And no matter how good I was at my entry-level job,
0: You're Invisible.
1: I was less than a rounding error. Uh, now I work in an organization with 185 employees, and I can see every single impact that I make, and it's in multiple areas of the company. Mm. Uh, so that's exciting to me. That's a big part of why I enjoy uh, what I do. If I wasn't in banking, I would, I would have to be doing something with a small company, uh, either starting a company or just being involved in and it. And you
0: know, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. I didn't know you had that entrepreneurial. Very much. I actually left it. banking
1: for, uh, two years after my three year stint with that big regional bank. Yeah, uh, I just felt invisible and, yeah. uh, went out
0: to work on my own. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. All right, so I'd like to start every episode with this burning question. Okay. Porter, why do you think the world isn't working right now?
1: Gosh, that's a loaded question. That's why and I asked you. am ask completely it. unprepared to answer that. Perfect. But, um you know, I think that uh, if you can summarize all the problems into one thing— um, It's that the world is trying to convince itself that God doesn't exist, and it's searching for truth and meaning in a lot of different areas that are just shaky ground, Um, and you see it in identity issues, you see it in money issues, you see it in relationships, Um, there's any area of life that you want to look into, if you remove God from the equation completely, it's it's hard to build a case. As a recovering atheist, you have to be able to identify with this and understand. Well, I've
0: never heard that term, recovering atheist. I've heard of recovering Catholic, but not recovering <laughs> atheist. So thanks for creating that on You're this welcome. show. You're welcome. Coined, Trademark. Coined here. Yeah. <laughs> so please continue. Um, so as a recovering well, atheist. You know,
1: I, you have to... You have to eventually put your faith in something, you have to believe something, even as an atheist. you have to believe that God doesn't exist and try and prove that to yourself,
0: which in it in itself becomes a religion right, right? that's correct. It takes yeah. faith that's to right. believe that there's no creator when you look around you and you see order. so much
1: evidence for it
0: right. you right. see like everything works right, like the planet right? right the natural ecosystem works. why does it work? Who right. programmed it? Like, it's like you wouldn't say that my smartphone created itself or came together after billions of years, yeah. and it just formed itself, and it looks like a phone. And then even on top of that, it has smart intelligence to it, and it can run all these different programs. Yeah. That wouldn't happen accidentally, right? Our reasonable, reasonable, logical mind gets that. So why do we wrestle with there's no God when we see this perfect Organized, computerized system of a universe.
1: Why? Well, I I went through a uh, a small group study this past year that I'm sure a lot of your listeners uh, have gone through, and if they haven't, I would recommend it. It's called the Truth Project. Um, it was put together probably 15 years ago by Focus on the Family, and the the basic premise that they uh, kind of point to for why people try and eliminate God from the equation is selfishness. I mean, at, at break its core, that down for us. Well, if God is real and he's revealed himself to us, uh, as we believe that he has both through his creation and through his word, through the Bible, um, then we have to look at what he says about himself and what he requires of us. How to live our lives. Yeah, yeah? and he does—he's going to have all of us do some things that we don't want to do, and he's going to have us all do—stop doing something that we want to do. He's going to require that of us, Mm. not for salvation, but, uh, I mean, that's—you can't earn that. But if you're going to be in relationship with him— and have evidence of your faith come out in your life, it's going to require some changes.
0: Can I speak on that for a second? Please. Yeah, so I was just at a uh, men's Bible study this morning, right? Catholic one, and uh, uh, the speaker, um, we were watching a video program, and the speaker spoke about um, uh, Old Testament, right? And when uh, God gave the Ten Commandments to the people, right? And he talks about, like, you know, as humans, we don't want to follow those commandments, per se, right? Because mm-hmm. that means we have to change our lifestyles, right? right? Which I think is what you're pointing out. Mm-hmm. And we're resistant to change just as human beings. We see that, right? That's why we don't do what is good for us, even though we know we, we want to or we should, right? So it's like uh, he spoke about uh, when you get into relationship with God, you're you're getting into a covenant relationship, and that's what the Jewish people in the Old Testament were doing. They were doing a, uh, creating a covenant with God, right, Israel, mm-hmm. and, and creating that covenant. And here's the guidelines of the relationship are these Ten Commandments, a way of being and acting in this covenant with your Creator. And he, the speaker presented it this way. He's like, you know, when I married my wife, right, when I was dating her, I could do whatever I wanted, like. I could stay out late. I could see other girls. I could do whatever the heck I wanted. He said, then I proposed to her, and we got engaged. And he said, all of a sudden, there was a few constraints. Like, I am agreeing that we're going to get married. I am agreeing that I'm going to stop seeing other girls. Forever. Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for the reminder, bro. Yeah, that's right. I am agreeing... That I'm not gonna stay out partying late and everything if you know you and I have something planned early in the morning so I'm not gonna be totally about me Mm -hmm. right because now I am agreeing to enter into a covenant relationship with you someone else so there's a sacrifice there there's a dying to my wants and desires somewhat and in doing so the payoff is that uh, there's this fulfillment, this joy, this love, that everything that comes in that covenant relationship. And he says, that's what we're doing with God. Yeah. And when you enter into relationship, and if you're non-denominational or, you know, Protestant, and you say, hey, this is, you know, I remember this date and year and everything specifically when I was saved. Mm -hmm. Or if you're Catholic, you're like, hey, this is when I was baptized. Tomato, tomato. Okay, point is this. You accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. November 1989. Love it. Right? That's when you, Porter, entered a covenant relationship with him, and God says, hey, you can't see other women. Right? That's Mm -hmm. what he's saying. He's saying you can't have other gods before me. Right. I am your one and only forever. Mm -hmm. That means love of money obsession Mm -hmm. of money, right, success, all these worldly desires, sexual temptations, the list goes on and on and on. Don't put any of these before me. Yeah. Even good things
1: like my career. Yeah. Uh, Even my spouse, my children.
0: Because you can make them your gods, couldn't you? Absolutely.
1: absolutely, Easily.
0: Yeah. So what shows up for you in that? Just that that, uh, analogy or comparison with marriage— Because you're a married guy with kids, yeah. So I know you're getting this, and and when we commit to God, right? Because you were saying uh, many people are like, I don't want to believe there is a God, because then I gotta commit to Him Mm -hmm. because He's real, and then He's got certain guidelines. They those Christian people they call it the Ten Commandments. Well, I don't want to have to change my lifestyle, right? So what's showing up for you?
1: Hmm. Um, you know, I think that for me, when, when you talk about being in a covenant relationship with God, I, I think about, uh, a trust that has to come first. That has to be foundational. You, and I don't think anybody would enter into that relationship with God if they didn't think he was good and trustworthy, mm. um, which he is, uh, but. If he is, as I believe he is, then you've got to understand that his word tells us that these uh, guidelines, if you want to call them that, for how we should live our life, how we should prioritize our life, Mm -hmm. are for our benefit.
0: That's a great point, right? It creates workability in the covenant relationship.
1: Right. And so let's play that out. Um, Okay. In my marriage uh my wife comes second she comes before me well before me mm. uh, but and she'll let you know that <laughs> yes um but i have to be whole with god first
0: so that you could be whole with her so
1: that i can uh so that i don't try and rely on her to make me whole
0: mm. um so do you mean that's a fallacy when people say oh you complete
1: me absolutely i think that's it's a temporary feeling that cannot. No human being can forever fill that void for somebody else.
0: You know what? It's also saying. It's also saying, like, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to make you my God. Yeah. Right. You complete me. Uh, you know. It annoys me when some people use the term. Um, oh, I I just adore them. <laughs> or I just adore you. Because there's almost this, like, worshiping idolatry, like, mixed yeah. in that. Like, you're yeah. holding me at such a level on a pedestal that, right. first off, I can't fulfill that level. Right. I right. will disappoint you eventually. I will hurt you eventually. Welcome to the human race. That's right. And you'll do it to me.
1: And and I don't mean to kill romance mm. uh, by suggesting what I'm suggesting here, uh, because I don't—I mean, marriage, part of— Dating and getting, becoming married is is this period of infatuation and and uh, all just the feelings, goofy romance. I mean, yeah. I, I was you know offender number one, and and still try to be every chance I get. So you're a romantic, absolutely. Yeah, you go. I didn't know yeah, that about you, man. Yeah. Um, I hope my wife feels the same way too. Yeah. Um But you know, I think you have to be honest and realistic when you're in that phase you have to be honest with yourself that hey i'm not going to put uh unrealistic pressure and expectation on this woman Mm. that she's always going to be as perfect as i think she is right now Mm. Uh, because if that's your expectation then you're going to be one of the statistics that gets divorced Mm. Um, my wife and i have recently uh started handling all of the premarital counseling for our church. I don't know why they think we're qualified to do that, but probably just because they, they know how many uh, struggles we've had in our now 13 years of marriage.
0: There was a shortage of volunteers. Porter. That's
1: I'm sure <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Um, but the, one of the easiest things to see when you're dealing with uh, engaged couples, especially if they're young, and, and it's a first marriage is complete, uh, just naivety, you know, mm. just
0: like walking into like, a this cliff. is, yes, things
1: are always going to be this good. Um, uh, there's, this person makes me completely happy and they always will just unrealistic, uh, expectations really. Mm-hmm. And, um. You know, God is the only person, uh, living being, that can fulfill that role, that well, need.
0: I love it. So now I'm going to segue that into our topic, okay? okay? All right. Because do we not also put unrealistic expectations on money? You're good at this. I'm like like, really good at this, right? I'm like a badassery on the radio here. (laughs) Okay, so like, yeah, bro. So think about that. We put these unrealistic expectations that once I get make enough money, it's gonna complete me,
1: right? Mm -hmm. What's and then you make that much money, and and then you say, if I could only make this much money, boom,
0: and then you get there. Then I'd really be happy. Then you get there the horizon and it's empty always is moving around it's you can't catch the horizon no. and you can never catch completion or feeling fulfilled from money ever yeah. right mm-hmm. i think we're done with our conversation that, that, that just yeah. summed it all up yeah. right there but anyway, <laughs> let's dig into it all right so when did you did you ever have a toxic relationship with money where you had those unrealistic expectations.
2: Well,
1: I I would say I was the person you just described, that um, as a young professional, uh, I grew up in a, I'd say, middle class, uh, maybe barely upper middle class family, Mm -hmm. uh, professional parents. Um, My mother stayed at home during our... uh, I'd say from the time we were about five years old until we got out of high school, but she is a very well-educated professional woman, went back and started another business after we mm. uh, went off to school. Um, so I had good uh, teaching, good upbringing, but but I was ambitious. You know, part of growing up with nice things is you kind of get a taste for it, and um, and I certainly did, and I... Thought well, I need to make X amount of dollars so that I can have these following things. Mm. The things you were used to, yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, you know, that bring a lot of temporary satisfaction, um, and I thought were things that were important, that were meaningful, mm. and um, yeah, you know, I would say that kind of mindset bled over into all areas of my life. Uh, And where it became most obvious to me uh, was in the area of tithing. Okay, why is that? Well, because any tithe or any act of giving is less of those other things that I wanted for me.
0: So you're giving up. Those other desires in right. order to give away some money to like right. the church or to the poor or, right,
1: okay yeah, and after all, these are things that I had earned, gone to work, and you know so you studied hard for them, them, do you? sure yeah. you're entitled to them. That's right, Easy to get that mindset and um, and I carried that kind of mindset, not even realizing I, I don't think I'd realized how unhealthy it was. Um and I thought it was very normal because I was you know, in my line of work, uh, especially being in a community bank, uh, that are typically very professional uh client focused. I'm I'm dealing every day with people that are the the most upper class citizens of any area. So very affluent clientele. Extremely. Got it. Um and to to them i mean i'm I'm almost broke i mean I'm hmm. poor compared to uh to my clients, hmm. so I don't think it's any big deal to just hang on to my uh little bit of money that I have um and you start playing a comparison game with how mm-hmm. with your own finances versus those around you.
0: Yeah, sure. It's like, well, when I make ten million dollars, then I can give yeah. to the church. But right, right now I'm only making a hundred thousand or I'm making fifty thousand, right. I'm just getting going. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Um and that number is irrelevant.
1: Uh you know, whether you say it's when I started my career it was thirty eight thousand and but the same mindset existed 10 years later when you're well into six-figure numbers, mm. same mindset.
0: Why do you think so that didn't change for you, the mindset? Because I had a heart problem. What do you mean by that, a heart problem?
1: My priorities were not in the correct order. Um, I'd started, I would say, probably about four to five years ago. I... um Started getting convicted by the Holy Spirit about tithing, hmm. and I didn't understand why at the time. And I started asking um, other people. I started. I've always sought out uh, older, wiser people. Yeah, wise, always, counsel. in in, sure. in every area of my
0: life. So, uh, what was your question? What, like, you go to them and be like, "Hey, I have a question. Why does God want my wallet?" <laughs>
1: You know, I, I would just ask very open ended questions. I wasn't even asking as if, hey, I'm asking for myself. I would ask an open ended question like, tell me what, you know, tell me your thoughts on tithing. I'd say it just something gotcha. completely cop out and yeah, cowardly. Yeah. That sounds out. very wussy. Yeah, right? <laughs> it is. That's exactly what <laughs> what's
0: it occurring it. for me is like <laughs> the only thing worse than that is being like, so I have this friend who's going through this problem. <laughs>
1: Hashtag asking for a friend. Exactly. Um, you know that's that's how I started the conversations. Okay. And um, so it wasn't that I would never give or I was never charitable, but it was uh, out of what was left over, mm. if anything was left over. Got like it. Like I'm going to take care of everything else, and then I'm going to think. And try and figure out if there's anything that I've forgotten about that I need to buy for myself, save for uh, whatever you know. And then if there's then any if there's crumbs some, remaining, absolutely. Then those those belong to the church, belong to God, to whoever. Name your five hundred one C three. That's you know. That's I that think goes. you
0: just you just nailed something to the wall there. That that is the the way of thinking. Mm-hmm. For the majority of Americans that are are believers is that I have to take care of myself and my own and whatever's left. Yeah, I'll give that back to God. After all,
1: the Bible says that we shouldn't be a burden to anyone around us. That's
0: right. So we've got to take care of ourselves. Exactly. It's biblical. It's biblical. Yeah. I got to take care of myself first and my family and then whatever's left or surplus, yeah, I'll give away. Right. So, so why did that first off, how long did that way of thinking and being or being and acting uh work for you or it wasn't working to begin with? And what really propelled that, that change?
1: Um I really think it was a, a prompting of the Holy Spirit that that started that work of change in me because it, you know, I started to realize, hey, you know, I can buy something new. I can buy a new car every couple of years. It's it's eventually going to get old and I'm going to want something different. Usually about the two-year mark, I'm like, okay, it's time time for a change. Uh, so that kind of habit always existed and I became aware of it, um, but I don't think I would have changed anything on my own, I, I, I do believe that um, this was a specific area that the Holy Spirit wanted to make a change. I me. get
0: that. It's difficult to change comfortable, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so that, um, that period of seeking out wise counsel probably lasted um, way longer than it should, I'll say a year. And and then I'll never forget um, being in church one Sunday morning, and there was a—we only do a couple of sermons a year at our church on uh, on giving, even though it's an incredibly important topic, um, and this particular uh, sermon was called The Principle of the First. And the
0: Principle of the First, yes. Okay. And it has
1: to do basically with your priorities. And,
0: uh, and
1: there's scriptural uh, reference throughout the Bible in all different areas of life where God must come first. And what that means with money is that uh, he comes first in money. That means that he doesn't get the crumbs after you've taken care of everything. That's not faith. Um, Giving God the very first of your earnings, let's say, or your surplus, because your surplus is anything. If I start with 10, turn it into 20, that extra 10 was provided to me by God. The, The first 10 was, of course, but if you, if you start with zero and you go to work for somebody and you make an income 100% of that is surplus that you did not have before uh, so if if you're going to apply the principle of the first to that then it's not you pay your rent you pay your yeah you know, your car note uh your cell phone bill you go out to eat eight times uh you buy groceries you pay insurance and then you see how much you got left over. That's, that's not faith in okay, your Okay, so Porter,
0: I'm going to jump in here because yep. what's, what's showing up for me here is some of our listeners may get confused on what's being said, right? Because I know I was confused back in the day on what you're presenting. Why is it wrong for me to pay my rent and my bills? These are necessary. I have to pay those, right? And then whatever's left from that, fine. I won't go out spending money on myself. I'll I'll give it to the poor. I'll give it to the church. Uh, my tithing first, and then what's left from that, I'll I will use for myself. Right. Right. Now that's different than what I'm hearing you say. It is okay. because distinguish the two, please.
1: Well, in your example there, um, you set up the lifestyle that you wanted to before you took into consideration what I'm going to call yours uh, to work with. You didn't take out the first. So if you're working,
0: uh,
1: give us a from real case scenario, a real case scenario. Okay. I, I moved to Tampa. I've got to have a place to live. I'm going to look for an apartment. I don't, uh, I, I want to live in this particular area of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Rents $2,000 a month. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pay $2,000. Um, I've got to have some transportation to get around I like this kind of car Uh, that's X amount of dollars per month go down the list uh, of the things that you quote unquote must have so these these are bills that you're
0: creating for yourself
1: right okay before you think about anything else I mean that's uh, Mm -hmm. that's a real world example that's how I have lived before Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's how most people live you can point at me that's cool okay <laughs> um, the alternative to that is being intentional from the start yeah. uh, before you create burden financial burden on yourself that you can't get out of uh easily, then let's start a budget that doesn't have a hundred percent of the available cash flow to work with yeah. uh how much you know, does honestly, it
0: have? You're a banker. Come on, I need help, bro. Well, if if, if we
1: want to make it easy, let's say 90% of the uh available cash flow. Where's
0: the other 10%
1: gone? Well, it's going to go it's God's money. If you're a 100% uh, of it is God's money, but but uh to not be churchy about it, let's
2: uh
1: let's say it can go anywhere for his
0: purposes wherever he prompts you to give it. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that when I collect my paycheck, yep, right? Mm-hmm. That's gross. The very first thing you do. What do I do? Is set aside that that you're going to give away. So minimum ten percent. Because I don't like so to, st- you I don't into... like to talk in the stands. I like to okay. get on the court. Yeah. So let's let's get on the court in life, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say that all of Scripture, uh, especially New Testament Scripture, will give you an exact number because I don't mm-hmm. believe it does. Uh, I'd say the overwhelming majority of examples is the first ten percent. You know, give God the first tenth. Uh, Old Testament. Examples are pretty clear about mm-hmm. that very clear yeah um but what I do know is that any giving has to be sacrificial or it's not meaningful, yeah, so yeah. if you take home uh an exorbitant salary, mm-hmm. let's say you're in multiple six figures, mm-hmm. two three, four five hundred million plus mm-hmm. um you can live an extremely extravagant lifestyle on 90% of that income. Heck yeah. Um, What God is interested in is not the mathematics. He's interested in what's going on in your heart towards money. So so most of the wealthier people that I know Mm -hmm. that have this proper mindset towards money give way more than 10% of their Mm. income away, way more, because they understand that if they don't keep money in its proper place and they start to view it as this tool to make them temporarily happy, it becomes a replacement for God.
0: So what's showing up for me is to more who have been given, more is expected. There you go. Yeah, I get that, right? So I, I like where you went there, right? With the Bible, biblical examples, 10% is the bare minimum, right? Yeah. And uh, we mentioned earlier about, like, car payments, Mm-hmm. Right, you got a mortgage payment. If you got a house, you got a car payment. You know what tithing is to me? It just occurred. Tell me, it's a life payment to God. Okay, it's a bill, and it's expected every month. Yeah, it's a bill. It's expected out of every paycheck, and the minimum due. It's like a credit card, right? There you go. The minimum balance. <laughs> look at <laughs> me being a banker. Yay! Um, <laughs> <laughs> the minimum uh, payment due is the the 10%. Now, if you make a ton of money and God's blessed you with this exorbitant lifestyle, mm-hmm. then yeah, more is due. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's why, you know, the talents and mm-hmm. the the right the the parable of the talents. It's like yeah. God gave the guy one talent, right? That was the 10% because he gave the other one nine, right? Mhm. Right? Multiply, multiply, multiply. And he's like God expected the guy that he gave more to to do more with. Mm-hmm. And he expected the guy with the least amount to do the bare minimum. Yeah. And that guy didn't even do the bare minimum. Right. He didn't tithe. He buried. Mm-hmm. He stored. He didn't trust God. Mm-hmm. That's the lesson there. Lord, I didn't want to lose the money. Yeah, I buried it because I'm scared of you. Yeah, and and, exactly. and that's really what it came down to, yeah. right? And and I have this saying, and I said it on a lot of episodes, we say that we love God, but we don't trust him.
1: Well, there's no—I don't think there's an easier way uh, to see that than how we use our money, truly. Because if we really trust God uh, to provide for us— uh, I'm not saying to to make us rich and happy because I'm about as anti-prosperity gospel as anybody you'll meet.
0: Okay, because I was going to call you Joel. Uh, nope. I'm just messing. Nope. I like uh, you, Joel.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, hey, Joel, one day you're going to be on my show.
1: Yeah, uh, go okay. ahead. Um, have me on. We can debate. <laughs> now, if we really trust God and what he says, then it would be second nature to everyone to give away a measly 10% of our income. Mm -hmm. But we don't trust that he's going to make us happy, you know, uh, as happy as this thing that I could buy with that 10% today or this retirement that I could have one day with that extra 10%. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that material possessions are evil in and of themselves, I don't believe that uh I'm not saying that saving for the future is bad. I think it's a very good worthy thing mm-hmm. um, that everyone should do mm. but uh but we're we're in such a lifestyle driven
0: world consumerism materialism yes. yes
1: yeah absolutely and my my own experience was that when i heard that sermon, the principle of the first, and it hit me square in the face. Okay, God, I'm not clearly not putting you first in my finances at all. I'm putting you, actually, I'm putting you last. I'm not putting you like second or third. I'm putting you last. Hmm. Um, I I knew at that moment, okay, I'm going to start a habit of giving today. And I didn't start at 10% because I had to work out of uh, a a spending lifestyle habit that would allow me to give more. So I started with what I could, which was probably close to 5% Mm -hmm. at that time. Immediately, my relationship with money and my relationship with material things changed immediately.
0: How so? Describe it. You just start
1: to realize um, how consumed you were with trying to achieve more. Who was have more me? Oh, okay. Yeah, in your heart, that's you. You come to grips with the fact that uh, that you're seeking happiness from success, from money, from. Uh, the home you live in, the car you drive, what other people think of your possessions, um, and it's just a a house of cards. So I just uh, want
0: to get clear that you're speaking about yourself right now, even though you keep using sure. the word "you." Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that's really important. The words we choose to use. Yeah. And sometimes when we're, we're we're it's not right or wrong. It just is right. But sometimes when we're using those words like "you." We're not actually owning right what we're saying instead of saying I was doing this, mm-hmm. I was wanting the car I was that now we're taking ownership, yeah, now we gotta look inside, and sometimes that's a scary place, don't you think
1: absolutely yeah it was it was eye opening for me um as somebody that had grown up in the church that uh you know i've been uh, a true believer for a long time But this was an area of my life As we all have That mm. uh, that I had a blind spot mm. And nobody well else said. Nobody else pointed it out to me Boom uh, um, It was yeah. That's why I say the Holy Spirit was working on me in this area
2: Yeah
1: Because uh, it wasn't a friend A spouse, a parent Yeah, Nobody came up to me and said Hey, you know,
0: thank you You ought to think about it
1: yeah. Yeah. you know, your relationship with money. First, that, nobody talks about that.
0: Right? And isn't that interesting, right? It's such a basic thing in Scripture. And and it's, and and it's demanded. Throughout Scripture. It's demanded. It's not, like, optional. Right. It's demanded. And yet, as Christians, as believers, we don't speak about it. Yeah. Like, barely speak about it. And then we, as friends and brothers and fellowship, we don't stand for each other winning in life. Mm-hmm. When we know that we're all burying our one talent in the dirt yeah, and we're seeing it and we're doing it and we're not holding each other accountable because we're not trusting God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and the, the, I really like that parable because the, the guy who put in, uh, who took his talent and invested the talent, right? He, God multiplied it. Mm-hmm. That's the trust. And then he gave, took from the guy that had, and then he took the berry, the, least, the dirty talent, and gave it to him, and gave it to him and said, "Here, reinvest this one, yeah. right?" And and that's the 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 people in your life that you were describing that have mega wealth, mm-hmm. if you will, and they give, yep. they give more than ten percent. Now right. it's very easy uh, if you're a listener, you're you're saying, "Yeah, I really appreciate that, Porter," um, and I would do that too if I was making millions of dollars. Sure. You know, Easy and and you that. know what? That's a wussification. You're wussing out right there on, on God and on life. What you're not owning is that you don't trust God. Own well, that. Sit with that. Right.
1: What that mindset really comes from is I don't make enough money to have the the minimum lifestyle that I want. Boom. And so I'm gonna wait till I get that. Yeah. And hey. That's exactly what I did. So yeah. I, I'm preaching to the choir here. Hey, when I say that? Same. Um but I wish that I had had from the very beginning of my professional career the right perspective towards money. Man. It would have I, I cannot tell you how much uh of a financial benefit that would have been to me yeah. because I truly believe and the parable of talents is a great example. If you are a good steward with 90% of your income, I guarantee you it will go far beyond 100% of your income with just your own uh planning and because your your plans are are garbage. Let's just be. <laughs>
0: Thanks Porter.
1: Thanks a lot, buddy. They are. As a banker that's seen a lot of financial statements. <laughs> um you know, we are not in control of of everything. You're so right.
0: Yep. And so where, you know, what's showing up, right? So where I had my transformation, you shared yours, right? You're sitting there, and boom, you just, Holy Spirit taps you in the head, two by four, whap, and mm-hmm. you just get it, and you're like, oh my gosh, I really don't trust God with my money. Right. This is an area I'm holding back, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not fully... Uh, surrendering myself in relationship, in that, that covenant relationship with God. And I was doing the same thing, Porter, right? And I'm going to come at it from a different perspective, and I think some of uh, our listeners will relate to this perspective as well as yours. And that is, I grew up in the opposite lifestyle of you. I grew up in poverty, right, one of six kids. And so we didn't have um, the basic middle class mm-hmm. uh, things, right? So I, I was often in want, We had the thrift store clothes, you know, uh, I didn't have any of the brands or anything like that. So when I grew up, I had the goal, uh, I had three goals. I want to be happy, I want to be healthy, and I want to be wealthy. That was it. Uh, Very simple guy, right? Happy, healthy, and wealthy. American dream right there, yeah. American dream, baby. And I went out hustling. And at 19 years old, I had a startup business. I did 110 hours a week and kicking butt, right? Well, Here's the thing. It wasn't until I'd say five years ago that I had the two by four moment with money. Because no matter how much money I made, and when I was 19, we did $2 million in revenue in 12 months with our startup. So That's we had some early success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but it didn't matter how much money I made, somehow I was always broke at the end of every month.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Always. Yeah. Why? Because I had a toxic relationship with money. That's right. Right? And that has many implications. Absolutely. Okay? Because I grew up in that environment where money wasn't invested. Money wasn't given to God. Money wasn't distributed. Right? Mm-hmm. There, it wasn't that. It was more of a scarcity mentality, yeah. an environment rather than an abundance. Mm-hmm. So I always had this uh, scarcity mentality. So if you're listening right now and you, you're going, man, I have that, Joseph. I have a scarcity mentality with money. Every month I'm stressing about my bills. Where am I going to get the money to pay? Hey, I was there, right? Every month, Porter, it didn't matter how much money I made or how little I made, I was always, I always didn't have enough. Like it was hilarious. It was ridiculous, right? And when I say that, I meant I stressed every month. Yeah. And somehow God always provided, like it was a test. Mm -hmm. And every month, everything would get paid. And I didn't know how sometimes, like sometimes literally. It was due tomorrow. All my bills were due tomorrow and I had like a hundred bucks and my bills were like a thousand bucks. Mm -hmm. And somehow something would come in, nine hundred bucks would come in the next day. And I was just like, and you know what? Because I was such a selfish human being, I wouldn't even acknowledge God. That's right. In those moments. Yeah. Oh, it was just luck. It's just a windfall. That was a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Wow. They finally paid that. Mm -hmm. You know, these types of things. And I never gave credit to God. And God is so humble and so awesome, right? And He doesn't demand that credit. However, it's like I read this little book, little book. It's like four inches by four inches called The Treasure Principle. Have you ever read that? No, I haven't. Okay. It's called The Treasure Principle, if you're listening. And man, it spoke about, like right to Joseph Warren about my poor, toxic relationship with money. I read this little thing. It was a 30-minute read. And I put down the book. And I have never in the past five years starting in that moment, stressed about my bills at the end of the month. Not once. And I literally just surrendered it to God. And you know what the main point of that book was without giving away the book? Was trusting God with my money and giving him. Listen, if you're broke and if you're like have anxiety with money, you know why? It's because you're not giving enough to God. I'm just going to bring this down on the court. Give more to God out of the little that you have, and you will start to see more money show up in your life. Period. 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 Challenge me. I dare you. I dare you. Give away the little you have. I had a buddy I ran into in Orlando, and uh, we were talking, and he was like, bro, I'm broke right now, whatever. I was mm-hmm. like, how much are you giving to God right now? And he was just like, well, I can. I I, I literally have a dollar ninety-two in the bank. <laughs> this is a grown-ass man. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how much that scares you, right? Yeah, a dollar ninety-two in the bank, and I said, "Bro, go give the dollar ninety-two to God. Give it to the church." But Joseph, it's yeah. really, what are you gonna spend a dollar ninety-two right. on? Yeah. Do you see how you're holding on to that? Yeah. That's ridiculous. That doesn't even make logical sense. Give the one ninety-two to God, and he'll give you five back. And that's, it's like the best investment fund ever. Go ahead, Porter. Yeah, you're the banker on that.
1: Well, it, it's not a. Um, that's not a prosperity gospel teaching either, you know, it's, uh, and, and nobody gives, if you're giving out of the right heart, you're not giving to get back. You're not giving to get, you're giving to kit to get proper relationship, uh, and perspective towards this gift that God has given us, uh, to be able to provide for ourselves.
0: Um, Yeah, thank you for distinguishing that, right? Because by no means do I want to occur as prosperity gospel. However, I think what I'm describing is the economy of God. Yeah. The economy of the kingdom. That's how it works. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, God does not want us to to be broke. You know, the one example that uh, when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler about uh, what do I need to— to do to inherit the kingdom of God. And he, you know, talks to him about a couple of commands. Oh, I'll keep the commandments. And he says, okay, well, go give away, sell your possessions, uh, you know, give them away and come follow me. It's not because he wants everybody that's a Christian to be poor. That is a false teaching. And I think a lot of people believe that that's what the Bible teaches. And maybe that's why they uh, don't like when the church talks about finances and giving, because they think, the Bible just wants everybody to be poor, and give everything away.
0: I grew up in that. I was taught that.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people.
0: God are. does not want you to be wealthy and successful, Joseph. Right. That was ingrained in me. Why are you pursuing all these businesses? Why do you want to be successful? That's not what God wants. He wants you to stay small and, and live a, a little humble life, et cetera, right. et cetera.
1: Now, if that were the case, then how do you explain uh, how he uh, really— Blessed financially, the kingdom of, of Israel. Solomon. How he blessed Solomon. Uh, yeah. yeah. How um, there's so many examples in the Bible of how he extravagantly provides for others. I mean, how do you explain the the parable of the talents if if you think that he wants us all to be poor mm. and destitute? That's not biblical.
0: I think the parable of the talents was Jesus giving us our first banking lesson with the economies of God. Yeah. Pretty much. And as a banker, I know you get that. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, this is how the currency of God works. Mm -hmm. If you, It's called being faithful with what you've been provided. Exactly. And if you get greedy with even the little you have, he will take even that from you. Yeah. And give it to the one who is selfless. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well put. Well put, man. I like this. I'm like talking banking, and I don't even like numbers, so that's like (laughs) hilarious to me that we're speaking on this. Um, So wrap this up in a bow for us, Porter, you know, as far as this toxic relationship with with money, Um, because I don't know. It's it's like what do you think is missing from this conversation that we haven't touched on yet that you know we want to talk about? What shows up?
1: Well, I, I don't know that much is overtly missing, but I, I would just remind everyone that's listening that the principle of the first applies to every, every aspect of your life. Uh, it, it involves relationships. It involves your career. It involves your uh, health, faith, uh, m- and money. Money is yeah. a big part of it. Uh, and the way, one of the easiest ways to kind of do a litmus test of yourself and your faith is to look, you know, you hear people say, look at your uh, your calendar and your checkbook. Mm-hmm. And who are you spending time with? What are you spending time doing? And where are you spending your money? Mm-hmm. Um, and if if your money is going to improve your predominantly, or 100% of it, is going to make your life on this earth as good as it can possibly be, as comfortable and as, uh, first, you're going to fail. You're never going to achieve satisfaction in that way because that horizon is always, as you take a step, the horizon just stays out there.
0: It's a moving target. It's a
1: forever moving target. Mm -hmm. Um, So if that's where you're, Uh, spending your money and Mm. and putting all your resources it's you're going to to fail uh, yeah without question
0: yeah I get that cool so you know I just want to wrap this up uh, from you know just something I want to share you know as you're listening right now and you're like hey you're struggling with money right you have a toxic relationship with money right now you always have maybe you grew up in an environment like I did maybe you grew up in an environment like Porter did doesn't matter what the message really today is trust God with the little money that you have or trust right. God with the large amount of money that you have right now. Mm-hmm. And the first 10% of every paycheck goes to him first. Mm-hmm. Whatever's left is for your lifestyle. Yeah. Right? And and that is key. And, and there's a, so much other areas of wisdom
1: that can come in with that other 90%. Oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: Yeah, because you're a banker, right? So I I wanted to... That's a whole other topic. I want to just knowledge bomb here, right? Not that I'm good at this because I'm not. Uh, (laughs) But uh, first 10%, you know, I was taught, goes to God. The second 10% goes to savings. There you go. The 80% is for lifestyle. Yeah. That's it. And if you do that, you're going to have a good life. That's a simple formula. It's so simple. Even I would get that. Mm -hmm. And I did. Awesome. Cool. So, Porter, we are about to enter... The confession round. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. You see what I did there? I'm unprepared for this round, (laughs) listeners. Did you show up to confession unprepared, Porter? Seriously? (laughs) Okay, Porter. I told you I was a Southern
1: Baptist,
2: man. I'm not Catholic.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to ask you 12 quick-fire questions, and you'll have about three seconds to answer each. First thing that comes to you, there's no right answers, okay? Okay. Just guttural. Here we go. Porter, what's your favorite favorite thing about being an adult? Um... jeez three seconds literally yeah come on bro freedom thank you i got good questions man okay what is your least favorite thing about being an adult responsibility yeah what secret fear do you have about people
1: um
0: wanting their approval Mm, i get that if you could be anyone just for fun for seven days anyone in the world would you want to trade places with Arnold Palmer?
1: He's dead now, but Arnold Palmer in his
0: prime. That would be such me. a golfer. Got it. What did you wish? What do you wish you were better at? Uh, public speaking. Yeah. What dream are you scared of pursuing? Whew. Starting a business from scratch. Mm. I could talk to you about both those things yeah. if you like. What makes you smile more than anything? My wife and kids. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering from the world tomorrow, what would it be?
1: Um, I would say just military extremism against defen- defenseless people and children.
0: Got it. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Professional golfer, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) All right there, Arnold. Yeah. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it.
1: Uh, He was, he walked with the Lord every day, and he loved his wife and children.
0: When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? I want to say something funny, but you know, oh, say the I funny. Just,
2: well,
1: I'm just gonna say, come on in and join the party. I mean, because it's gonna be so awesome. That will be just the best. Can't wait.
0: Awesome. And last question: If you could come back to life after you died, and God let you come back to your family and friends and see them one last time, and share one piece of advice only, what would you say to them? It's real come join me boom Porter what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you
2: um,
1: I would say my email address is uh, always available Porter sun, south, at gmail.com Porter Sun,
0: S-U-N south, at at S- gmail.com got it Porter Sun south at gmail.com. Porter, thanks for joining us today, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, my man. You got it. Cheers. Friends, I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and remember that God the Father loves you, he's fascinated by you, and he wants to show you his awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with him. And I'll see you on the next show.